Hey friend, are you swamped with scheduling, bogged down by bookings, or overwhelmed with managing your social media? This message is for you. I would love to introduce you to my secret weapon, StyleSmart VA. This is a company of virtual assistants literally designed by hairstylists for hairstylists. I found them through an interview right here on the podcast, and then shortly after found myself booking a discovery call because I was drowning in administrative tasks and needed help. It's been a few months now, and I can't tell you how much my VA has changed my life. No joke, friends. I am such a believer in StyleSmart VA that I decided to bring them in as an episode sponsor here on the show. Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to StyleSmartVA.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. StyleSmart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. Well, hey there, friend, and welcome back for another episode of the Your Hair Mentor podcast, where I am your host and your hair mentor, Crystal Green. You may notice something from this episode. For the first time in Your Hair Mentor podcast history, I have a repeat guest. What? I know. I have teased to bring people back that I had really engaging, really great conversations with. And so my guest today, Alicia Soulier, you have heard from previously when she came on and she talked about her business that she built called Salon Scale, which by the way, has just like exploded in popularity since they were on the podcast last time. Can I contribute their success to the podcast? Probably not, although I'd love to say that we helped a little bit. Um, I brought Alicia back today because at the end of our podcast recording last time, Alicia and I continued to have a conversation, kind of, you know, sidebar conversation about female entrepreneurship, really just entrepreneurship in general, and like some of the super interesting aspects of making money in a business. Um, and so we came up with this idea to bring her back in because she is in a tech company. She's a female in a tech company and has kind of figured out, not kind of, she has 100% figured out how to make a, you know, bang in business that came from a great idea, but then she turned it into something like venture backable, which I didn't even know what that word meant until I had that conversation with her. And um, really like how to get money when it comes to businesses. Now, in our hair businesses, it's pretty straightforward, right? You render a service, you get paid for the service. It's a done deal. But when it comes to selling products, selling um, tech things online or, you know, any sort of entrepreneurial adventure, you know, I guess you could even say for like salons, like owning a salon and selling your salon, you're selling an asset. 
you have to be able to wrap it up in a cute little package and then present it to people in a way that makes them want to pay you money. And so we dive into that today with Alicia and she shares some of her ideas and things that have worked for her to make her business, make her money. Um, it's really fascinating. And I, I feel like even at the end of our conversation, we could have kept going because we are barely scratching the surface here, but I also don't want to overwhelm you. I know a lot of us that are in the hair industry, it's like something we've never even thought of before. Cause like I said, we get like instant gratification in our jobs. So, you know, I'm going to encourage you to, um, just take a listen um, take some notes because Alicia rattles off things left and right that you're like, oh my God, that's such a good idea. Oh my God, I had no idea that existed. Um, and just enjoy this episode and let it kind of crack your mind open a little bit to the idea that you could make money doing something else besides just doing hair. So um, without further ado, I'm going to jump into the conversation here with my friend Alicia. Awesome. Yay, Alicia. I am so happy to have you back on the podcast here today. I really enjoyed our conversation last time, and I'm super excited to bring you in to talk about some different stuff today that I know you've had some experiences with. So um, for anyone that doesn't know, can you give me like a quick intro of who you are and what you're bringing to the table today? Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to come back here. Um, my name is Alicia Soulier, and I am the founder and CEO of Salon Scale Technology. Uh, so essentially, I created a solution to a problem I was having as a former salon owner. I created a app uh, that measures hair color in real time. Uh, that has expanded to companies all over the world that are using our product now. Um, and we, we, we've now uh, graduated and, and added more than just the cost calculator. So we're handling the entire back bar at the, at the hair salon. Um, but today, I think, you know, it's always talking about the entrepreneur behind everything and how do you dive deeper and how do you have that um, ability to think deep and think far and understand, you know, these things in ways, uh, in ways um, you can leverage, you know. And so when we talk about things like venture capital investment, um, financial modeling, uh, economics, whether it, wh whatever it is, um, you know, that's really what I'm excited to talk about today is how to, you know, and then how to like not be insecure about it and how to dive into it and be curious because the curious uh, side of you is really what's going to help unlock the knowledge uh, that you seek. Mm, I love that. I feel like anytime we stay curious, we find out new things in the world, right? Oh, always, always. Yeah. It's an important, uh, important thing to always have. It is. I feel like it, it, it like sets your ego down and allows you to be open for new things when you're curious. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, we really want to know. And because we've defined ourselves that if we know something, that means we're a value. Uh, and we've taught, you know, young children, this into, you know, our adult life that, uh, if you don't know something, that means you're incompetent. Uh, so, you know, that starts to fuel those emotional sides of yourself where you feel like you're not good enough, you don't know something, whatnot. Um, but it's actually quite the opposite. If you actually lean into the unknown and the curiosity and the I, I seek to understand more than I need to know, uh, you will likely grow a lot more uh, and you'll get yourself out of those those moments where you feel maybe imposter syndrome. Yeah, which I'm sure you experienced being a female entrepreneur in a land of tech, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think 
it is it's extremely difficult I felt like I was like on the set of Rocky every time I'd go to like pitch <laughs> pitch the company it's like oh my god here we go again but you know you really you know it's so unfamiliar for me and you know I'm a trained hairstylist right so it you know I walk into a room and I'm like how are these guys gonna take me seriously uh as a as a stylist first of all uh, as a female second of all and then in the salon technology space I mean this is something that's pretty hard to say please give me your millions of dollars so that um I can change the world for other stylists just like me um and it actually what I realized right away was you know we I did end up having a gift that uh, I didn't realize and that was you know I had a passion and a purpose and uh, they just so happen to have money. Uh, and so I think sometimes that's the thing is sometimes when you have a real big purpose in your life and you really have something, um, you'll get through that imposter syndrome because the more people you're around, uh, they're going to validate it and they're going to, you know, they're going to support you. And uh, that's a true indication that you you're meant to do what you're you're, you're doing. Mm, I love that. I feel like I try to emulate that every day, you know? Um, okay, so will you tell us how long, I guess I'm curious, like uh, from the, the first conception of Salon Scale, how long did it take for you to get to the point where you were like walking into that room with the Rocky scene in your head making deals? Um, pretty quick, actually. Um, so I joined an accelerator quite quickly, probably in the first, like within the first month or two of me having this idea. Um, I joined this, uh, uh, this accelerator that taught me about pitching and taught me about that. And it just so happened that they had some type of like almost like shark tank style investor forum that was coming in town. And so I had to make my first pitch deck and I had to start pitching within like really the first three months of me starting the product. Um, and I remember going into that room and like, yes, I had stayed up all night. I had practiced line for line exactly what was going to happen. Um, but I remember thinking like, oh, my God, this is like Dragon's Den. Like, I, like my, life, my life could change after this. And it's just such a like cute little naive part of myself there that it, it takes a little bit more than just the first conversation with someone to get a check. Um and uh, I think I, I think, you know, from there, I started to curate exactly how I wanted to kind of message it. And it's just like every other sale uh, you have to, you, you know, the goal is to get the next meeting. Uh, and so no matter what, you know, that kind of became the, the process that I ran when I would raise capital is just to make sure that we were always getting that next that next meeting so that we could um, move along. Right. So then when you had your first investor, it was just kind of like a. Um kind of a lump sum of money to get the company started and start creating the app. And then from there it grew or like, can you kind of describe that a little bit for us here? Yeah. I mean, you can do a bunch of different things. So it, it really depends on your, your surroundings and how, how easy it is for you to access some capital. Um, so in my particular situation, I think, you know, with a early stage startup, you're, you're going to be, first of all, the investor is going to back you. So they need to, they need to see founder first, and then they need to see a, a, a market opportunity. Is this a big market? Is this an investable market? So if, if they can see that the problem you're solving is big enough to invest in, and they really like you, you're likely going to get your first round of checks. Um, if there's still something a little confusing there, it might just take a little bit of time, but that's like usually the first indicator. So at this stage, you don't really need to have a strong you know, financial model or even revenue. You just need to like 
be able to articulate what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Now, like I was saying on the check sizes, so if you have access to a lot more capital, I mean, for us being where I'm from, there's not a lot of venture capitalists um, and there's not a lot of even angel investors or people that even knew, knew what that was. So I had to um, move quicker. So I knew the check sizes were going to be smaller. And I knew that, you know, I, I wasn't going to be able to raise a, a substantial round um, to begin with. So I went with smaller tranches is what you call it. So essentially, um, instead of me raising $5 million right off the get go, it would have, I started with 400,000. And then, you know, a, a year later, I raised another 686,000. Um, and then I raised, I, I, every year I would raise a, a little bit more money. Um, and that was just my strategy to get money in. So I could just get back to building the business because raising money is a, it's, it's a full-time gig. Sometimes uh, you're networking, you're keeping people up to date. You need your, you know, you need a, like sometimes you need a due diligence package, which is just where they can kind of see information on what you're trying to do. Um, so it's overwhelming. So I think when you run it properly, it's kind of it's kind of better to sometimes just get back into uh, to building that business. So the faster you can do that, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you are in centers where there's a lot more capital, there there's like a lot more funding. Let's say California, for example you likely are going to be able to access a lot more money um, a lot quicker. Uh, You're going to get no's a lot faster uh, just because the pool is a lot bigger. Um, And you could probably take your time to really plan out, you know, what does the next 24 months look like? um, And then go ahead and raise that, uh, that amount of cash that you can execute your, your vision. Wow. Okay. So I love all of this, but I feel like we might need to unpack this a little bit for a hairstylist that's listening that might have a good idea about a business. Let's say they want to become some sort of online educational, you know, entrepreneur, right? This is probably already over their head. They're like, what are we even talking about right now? So can you take me back to like, what is like the first step? I know one of the things we talked about off camera here is like, there's three different ways that you can start getting money in a business, right? Um, it was yes. like from your, from your audience, uh, sponsorship, and there was one more. Can we start there and then kind of like plant the seed of where you start to have this idea of money coming in besides just client interactions? Yeah. So I'm um, really honestly, there's kind of almost like three main funnels for your business, uh, to get, to get money in your business. The first one that's the cheapest is to have more revenue. <laughs> so sell more of your product. Yeah. Um, and if you could sell more, you're going to get more money in the business. So that's like the first one. So it's, it tends to be the easiest and the cheapest because it doesn't cost you debt and it doesn't cost you equity. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's that. Um, and then it also doesn't cost you too much time, uh, essentially. Um, the second layer too is going to be that debt. So being able to go take on a loan or whatever else, it's the second one takes a little bit more business planning might take you a little bit more time to do that. So that's, it's available. It's a little bit harder to do that. Um, and then the third one is funding. So there's things that are called non-dilutive funding, and then there's things that are called dilutive funding. So when you go and take money from an investor, you're saying, I'm going to give you a chunk of the business, a percentage of this business uh, to invest in me today for what I think this company is going to be in the next year or two or six or 12 or whatever your roadmap is. 
And so typically what you want to do is you want to make sure like any investor that comes in at that stage is that is this company going to be a billion dollar business? Because essentially, you know, you're 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 wanting to fund it as such that it's going to become that that type of exit. Um, And then the other side, too, is on the funding side is actually um, grants like any grants or any type of um, there's usually programs or stuff like that, that you can apply for that can also help you fund you on some of your growth initiatives, or maybe you want to hire certain types of people. And there's a digital marketing grant that you can kind of get, you know? Um, So there's many different vessels that you can use to fund your business to kind of get to this, the next thing. But the really big thing you need to ask yourself, no matter what, if you're a hairstylist, you're running a business, you're, podcaster you're running and it doesn't matter really what business you are you have to ask yourself like what am i trying to do like what's the vision you know what is what is this business like what is it um is it going to stay just centralized in in one state or one province is it going to become you know nationwide is it going to be global like like what's the you know geographic impact this business has and then in that geographic impact just do the back math which is you know how many people can I actually acquire and what would the average amount they would pay that gives me my total addressable market. So, you know, when you do that thing, you know, are are you looking at a $10 million business? Are you looking at, you know, a $500 million business when you do that calculation? And so that kind of helps gear you as to see if you are venture backable or not. Um, And that really helps to make sure that, you know, you have that side of things, but then it also allows you to make sure that you can, um, access any type of funding to be able to execute, again, that vision of what you want to do uh, with your business. That's a really interesting concept. I've never thought of that before. Is like, uh, yeah, like casting a wide net and a, kind of making an assumption of all the people you can help or all the customers you can get and then kind of going backwards from there to calculate what it could be worth. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think sometimes it's like, let's say if you do that and you're like, okay, if I took everyone in North America and I have access to a million subscribers um, and my average is, you know, a dollar or $10 um, uh, a month, you know, you're looking at, what is that? Like 10 million a month. So like you're looking at now you're looking at like $120 million a year business. Right. And so with that kind of situation, it allows you to really understand that is the total market opportunity. So when you look at your current, like maybe how, how much of the market do you have? Do you have 1% of the market or do you have, you know, 0.25% of the market? And then now that's kind of the goal too for yourself is to try and penetrate more of that market. Um, as you know, it exists, you know, it's, it's always available. Wow. So I'm assuming you did this with salon scale too, right? And so can I ask, like, when you did that, what was the number that you came up with for the potential of your business? I mean, because I would imagine it could, if you put that in the hands of every hairstylist, you bet. What, you, what you got? Oh, it's great. It's a good one. Um, <laughs> so based off our current financial model, we have about a $1.2 billion market opportunity. Woo, girl. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is We're incredible. We're going to just throw those billions out there, you know? Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's about a $1.2 billion market opportunity uh, based off that current financial. Um, and then, you know, that doesn't that doesn't also include the expansion of adding other other things to it. So, you know, technology is such a beautiful gift um, because, you you know, it's something that is a, usually a smaller uh, investment monthly 
Um, but it's a reoccurring thing. It's such a beautiful business to run. Like I absolutely love running a SaaS company. It's a, it's a really neat way to uh, look at business a little differently. It is, but I feel like as we're talking about this, I can also imagine a salon owner using this idea too. Like, okay, so they've got seven chairs in their salon and what is the potential of each of those chairs to earn every day, right? Like how many people are they serving every single day? And then from there trying to figure out what that business should look like if it's running at full capacity and then kind of work backwards from there to meet that goal, right? Oh, absolutely. Actually, you just literally... um I love where your brain just went on that because it's such a brilliant thing to think about. Like if you're sitting here stressing because you can't pay for something, like let's say you have 30 grand in debt. So take that number, 30 grand, divide $30,000 by how many, you know, how, what is the average amount someone spends in your salon a year? Is it a, is it 1500 bucks? So how many people is that? A hundred, you know, 30, 60, like whatever it is. Then you take those people and you say, Hey, if you prepay for your entire year right now up front, I'll give you X percent off, maybe another 20% worth of savings, but only give it to that amount. Now you have the 30 grand up front. Um, you have the money to pay down those debts. You're not paying interest on that. And you only had to take you know 30 or 40 of your clients to do that, to preset yourself. So you have the cash flow up front to support whatever growth comes from, from then on out. I literally have goosebumps right now from that. That just was like, what an idea. Like I've never heard anyone talk like that about salon businesses. And that is brilliant. Like I can think of off the top of my head, clients of mine that I used to see that would have been like, hell yeah, I'll prepay. Like they want to pre-book their appointments for the rest of the year anyway. And they're a hundred percent committed to coming in, offering them a discount to prepay ahead of time. They'd be all for it. Yes. Yes. And it just helps, right? Because then you're in a position like, you know, you can get that, that interest off your, off, off yourself, you know? And I think that's sometimes we think, oh my God, is this ever going to go away? It won't. Like it, it literally will not, unless you have a, a big strategy to kind of do such. Um, so these are just kind of little ways that you can kind of manipulate cash to be able to work in your favor. Mm-hmm. I've heard other people say, you know, with like audiobooks and podcasts and stuff, like there is enough money in the world. And it's just a matter of figuring out how you can capture that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And leaning into it. I mean, it's so attached to your core values. Like it's, it's so, you know, it's so deep within and spending as much time to invest in yourself to understand that you are worth every single penny. Um, it, it, it's in, it, it will just come to you. Like it'll just attract, like that's exactly what will happen. And so yeah. I think sometimes when we live these limitations in our, in our mindset um, and we also live a supporting role, remember as a hairstylist, everybody that comes in is coming because they're like in a struggle or this happened or whatever. And you're supportive, supportive, supportive. So it's really hard when you're a supportive role um, to also, uh, be in, in an ascending role. Um, so sometimes when you win, you feel guilty or you get something, you feel guilty, then you have to give it away. Cause that's because the person you are, that's the nature that you are. So it's important, uh, to understand that the more, the more you also get, the more you get to give as well. So just really leaning into that is important. Um, so yeah, I think for me, I spent a lot of time on personal development and a lot of time, um, hiring coaches like mm -hmm. I I invest like I think I'm like close to like 28 
almost $3,000 a month in just personal coaching. Like I would have never thought I'd ever spend that kind of money on it, on coaching, but yet now it's, you know, it's completely unlocked every, there's just no, there's no overwhelming and no over processing because I got people for every ounce of my craziness, you know? I love (laughs) it. I love it. I know like offhand, you're like, holy cow, that's a lot of money to spend on that. But the amount that that probably makes you in return is totally worth it. And the people around me, mm-hmm. because the, you know, I, I'm an external processor. Um, I, you know, I, me too. I haven't been fully diagnosed yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm ADHD as well. Um, and uh, I think the big thing is when you're an external processor, you know, you stress the people out around you. So they, your moods, you're like a one big mood swing around everybody else. Um and so when you don't have that person that can create action from your vision or your, you know, you I have an idea and someone doesn't jump on it right away, it leaves you really frustrated and it leaves you in a, a position where, you know, you, you can feel very overwhelmed and stressed very easy. Um, it also leads you to a path of codependency where you really need other people to solve your problems. Um, it's almost like, you know, you, it's almost like you don't have a limb or you don't have a voice or you don't have this that you're like you're looking for other people to solve those problems um and so what happens is i think um the biggest tool i learned is instead of externally process i had to internally process um so internally internalize it first document it to delegate it and if you don't document to delegate it likely won't happen mm-hmm. um so that really helped uh, make sure that i i didn't just go in oh i have an idea and tell someone i literally took the time to make sure all the thoughts were out fully um, or else it would have, uh, you know, I, I actually joked, I was like, it feels like Tinkerbell, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're like Tinkerbell. And when people stop believing in you or what you have, you start to die. Like it's just yeah. it's such an, and you know, so you need people to keep believing in your vision, keep believing in Neverland. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the thing is to really, really take the time to know how special it is that you are a visionary and how special you are, that you have this gift that you want to make the world better and more beautiful. That is the most incredible thing. Uh, and, and, and it's a gift that you have. And so to celebrate it, take time to really process it uh, for yourself first. That's a really good takeaway. And I feel like I can relate to that myself. Um, you know, it's interesting coming from someone who worked behind the chair for many, many years, we get constant validation from our clients instant gratification and validation that we're doing the right thing because we're making them feel good. They're telling us, I love it. I love you. I love everything you're doing. And then to step away from that into something else where you're not getting feedback all the time or like validation from other people all the time, you have to look for that somewhere else. Right. And a lot of times it's, it's in us, but it's hard to tap into that when we're so used to like the outward validation from our clients. And so, I mean, I'm still learning how to do that on a daily basis, even though people tell me all the time, oh, you're doing so great. You're doing a great job. And I'm like, really, am I? Because I don't know if I hear it enough. You know, I have to like go internally and figure out my mindset, you know, where I'm going and what I'm doing, which is really interesting. Oh, gosh, I echo that. It's it's one of the hardest things I'll ever have to do, honestly. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I think taking just a, a beat to have some reflection, it's the reflection sets your new pulse and your new pace so what happens is like if you think of it like I always think of it like a speedboat like and this is what happens to like every single one of us do this is if you 
you know, you, you get your sales, you, you, you close that account, you launch your podcast, you launch your business, you're up and you're super excited. Well, for every single high, there's going to be a low, like you can't, you can't ascend and not have the, the, and, and uh, not have the bad come with the good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what will happen is after your really big high, or you won that thing, or you finally accomplished that thing, or you finished that color correction that took you forever and you knocked it out of the park, you're going to feel really awesome. And then within 24 hours, you're going to feel really shitty. Um, and it just crashes. And if you don't take the time to celebrate in that little bit or reflect on what you learned, what you discovered, that actually sets like the new level, the new you, you know, because now you're a master at consultations, you're a master at um, your craft, or you, you've mastered this thing. And if you reflect or you journal that, now you're, now you're new level or your new bar is that new you mm. um so that you're, you're not the old you that didn't know how to do that now you know how to do it and so that can h- kind of help with the like flapping around of like crash 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 you know going through it um but it's never it's inevitable you're going to change regardless like we are all going to change um and it's just to like welcome the new you and embrace the new you and you know just be super grateful for for you know yourself for having the courage to want to be who you are yeah yeah you know it's funny the more people that i talk to especially people that have had what i would consider to be really good success in this industry and beyond whether you're an educator a creator uh tech company all the things uh, the biggest thing that i see is that a lot of it is mindset Like we're all full of really, really good ideas, but having the right mindset to work with it, it's like, I don't know. I used to kind of eye roll at like work on yourself and your mindset. I'm like, whatever, I'm fine. My mindset is great, but now I get it. It's like a lot of our drive and our energy and our path comes from within. And so I know one of the things that we talked about before we started recording was, I think you called it like a profit mindset. Um, Yeah. Give me a little a little taste of that because I feel like a lot of, especially salon owners, hairstylists, we're in this like growth mindset, right? Growth meaning like we're getting more clients and we're making more money or, or exposing uh, new people on Instagram. Everything is like grow, 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 grow. And then we forget that there's another mindset to think about too that is really important. Yeah, I think, you know, we're really top of funnel focused, which I call it's like it's growth minded, meaning you really love um, revenue. And you really like to look at, you know, what are my sales? What are my sales? What are my sales? Right. And what we don't look at is, you know, what did I, what was I left with, you know, and when was the last time you said, was I in budget this month? Um, probably not. Um, so right. (laughs) It's kind of, Ooh, it's an icky feeling because you're like, yeah, I, you have to kind of, it's the gas and brake kind of analogy. Right. Um, but sometimes, you know, um, when you're in the mindset of profit, you know, profit is um, decreasing your expenses or maintaining your expenses and increasing your revenue, maximizing your profitability. And so it's a true mindset. And what happens is I've seen a lot of people, um, they're, they're tired, their businesses are running them. They, this is their last chance to make something. They worked for three to five years building this incredible business. They soaked every single penny into it. And now the business needs to start paying them because it's just not paying them because they put every single dollar into growth. They've just put it into like hiring and training and, you know, parties and coffees and, you know, events and whatever else and, and furniture. Um, 
And so what happens is when you move to the profit side, you're going to have to put a heavy focus on that expenses. And so that's where the like, not as much joy comes because that's where you have to start to like cut a lot of things um whether it's you know the extra the extra maybe you don't need the um you know nescafe like you might need to like dial that back a bit or you might need to like stick to a budget and you know uh make sure you're staying within that and maybe you can't let your you know team go to any education all the time maybe it's a quarterly budget of what can be spent and what can't be spent right so there's like little things that you have to know that you're staying within that kind of zone. Um, so a profit mindset is, is you're going to be a hard ass. Um, you're going to have to be really hard on, on making sure everyone stays within budget to hit your, your profit mark. Um, and so, uh, and, and profit is everyone's goal. So it's not just the salon owner's goal. It's the entire salon's goal. Like, why would you not want to work for a profitable business? Like that means like when we're ready to invest in back and growth, there'll be money to do that. So, it's just kind of being transparent with why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and I was telling you this when we started, which was, um, you know, the entire salon industry is just growth minded. So what happened is, you know, most salons are just really focused on investing all their dollars back in their business. And they just keep asking, like, I don't know where my cash flow is. I don't know where my money is. Um, and it's going into completely the growth side. So it's going into the over budget, the overspending, the education that, you simply are not bringing in enough to support um, that growth. And or if you took the education or you took the class and let's say you put $10,000 in education, um, are you did you increase your price point or your revenues to make 20 grand the next year? Because that's what you have to start thinking about is like if you're going to invest those dollars, it's to grow. Right. Um, so you really need to measure your growth and not just like spend, 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 spend and hope that it'll just come. You need the strategies kind of invested in there, too. Um, but yeah, there's a huge difference between growth and profit. And sometimes, um, you know, I do see, you know, that it, it takes a certain mindset to kind of get behind that. For sure. I almost envision like the growth mindset as this like little, like hard worker party animal kind of thing. And then the profit mindset as this like shaking the finger kind of bitchy attitude of like, mm -mm, we're not going to do that. Right. It's like the little devil and the angel on your shoulders. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You know, and it's like, it's hard, You're, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do it, but it's so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Nothing is more rewarding than running a sustainable business. Right. Nothing is more rewarding than that. Um, yeah. And so don't stop the good fight uh, and keep, keep going through it. It's, it's no different than, you know, how annoying it is to keep your house and your, your closet organized and clean. It's like, just make sure you once a year, you do the clean. You know, mm -hmm. you clean your numbers up and you just match it once a year. Just give yourself that and you're, you're going to feel amazing because you're going to know where everything is. Um, so that's all you have to do is just commit, commit to yourself to your spring cleaning of your, your business a bit and make sure that you're in line with what you're, what you're trying to achieve. And then I have to imagine it's only when you are embracing the profit mindset and you have a sustainable business that you can even consider doing something like getting, you know, investors in your business. Cause they're not going to be interested if you're just in the growth mindset and you're just spending all your money. Right. Yeah. I think the big thing is it depends on the, you know, it, it really honestly depends on what kind of business is being invested. So if you think of a brick and mortar business or, um, or, you know, th these are like, these are 
like lower growth, um, annual growth companies. So they would grow anywhere from really like eight to 15% year over year, um, 20% of the high end. So these are going to be salons. If your salon's going to be hitting eight to 20% a year over year growth, you know, that's a definitely opportunity to make another location, another location. And that's why we would invest um, in that business. And so you're going to be looking for more of like private wealth. So you're, you're going to be looking for someone more on the private equity side. Um, and so their uh, risk tolerance or their portfolio, what they look for is uh, cash flow. Uh, they're gonna be looking at uh, a multiple of your cash flow. So really seeing um, what does this business bring in? How often does the cash come in and out so that they can do their, uh, their, their analysis on it? And essentially they just do a simple calculation and that's what's gonna qualify you for some, some investment. Um, if you are over that, like I'm talking like you are 50, 100, 300% year over year growth, you're probably more like a tech company. Um, and so typically, you know, you have a bigger market, right? Like if you think of salon scale, I don't sell just to like one state or one province or one country, you know, it's a global opportunity. So if you can think about it as when I expand on a, a location, that like it's anywhere in the world and it's, yeah. a, it's not, I don't have to make a store and make a set like it's very very quick to kind of get there so that's why you get that type of that crazy amount of growth and that's why a lot of people invest in these uh, uh software companies because they can get out there faster which is with money going into um essentially acquisition costs um but yeah so essentially those are the two kind of things is just figuring out what is the potential of this business and then you kind of uh, are going to be aligned with the right type of investment or investor that will be able to come in and help you get to what you want what you want um and i will say this is like taking people's money is no joke it's like a huge responsibility um, for me, myself, I do have a board that I, I work for a board. So, you know, I started Salon Scales, my, I am the founder CEO, but I do work for Salon Scale. I work for the board of directors for Salon Scale. Um, so things, you know, change when you take people's money, right? And so there is that to kind of think about. Um, and you are responsible as the CEO of the business to have a return. So you, you have to show that there's at least a site to get to what you're saying is going to happen. Um so yeah, there's no more bootstrapping for this gal over here. Um, it's <laughs> I, I gotta hit some goals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine what that feels like. So you know, as a hairstylist, we only have one person to answer to usually, our client, right? We have that one person to impress, that one person, we're taking their money and that's it. And I can imagine when that's much, much greater with a lot more money, the pressure's on. Oh yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I also encourage any salon owner to like reinvent the wheel on your model. Like maybe it's something super unique and different. Maybe you have a subscription salon, you know, maybe yeah. you're like, you have uh, like four haircuts that you, you just, every year you come up with your new haircut and you, and every it's like the same collection and you do the same color. You don't even experiment. You're like, this is the exact thing I do on everybody. And so you've cut your expenses down, your customers book in for that exact same thing every time. And it's, it's just like a, a subscription model kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but then you're like, hey, I could like make, you know, 10 of those locations all around the world. And then I'm just the creative director. I just came up with the haircuts or the, you know, the looks for the year. Mm -hmm. um, thinking outside the box like that um, makes it just different. And uh, it, it, you can put yourself into a whole different space. You know, you've seen this happen in 
in the food space like when we look at like donuts and cookies and whatnot like you know you, you're like geez like who doesn't love a good crumble cookie and look at how easy it is to you know how they reinvented the wheel there like that is fantastic Right. But it's so simple at the same time too. You know, um, I, since we spoke last time, I've put together a curriculum for hairstylists that to me is like almost too simple, but I think that's what makes it so good about customer service. And there's three things. It's knowing who you are, knowing who you serve and know how to serve them. And I feel like that is applicable across every business in there, right? Like we were just talking about that. It's like, as a salon, who are you? As a salon, who do you serve? And then as a salon, how do you serve them? Find your unique flavor and just stick with it. Lather, rinse, repeat, you know? Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's like you, the the more obsessed you are at knowing who you're serving and and how and why like it keeps the most clearest communication um and then it allows you to also you know have that purpose that you're you're deep rooted in the, in the why why do i do what i do um and that allows you to really want to go to work <laughs> yes absolutely yeah. Uh, yeah i know and even like uh doing this podcast like who am i and who do i serve and how do i serve them it's like it just makes everything so clear and concise and also probably easy to wrap up in a package and offer to someone as an investor right like here's very yeah. clearly what i'm doing yes mm-hmm. well and also too is like there's two sides too. I always say is like, you don't have to figure this out overnight. So don't be hard on yourself. If you feel like you're still like, what's my purpose? Like everyone's going to question that stuff. So like things just know that like things always come to you. Um, and you're always going to be hard on yourself than anybody else. And you may not understand why you started something or why you did that. Um, but it always leads you on to something else or leads you on to the next thing. And so like, there was a reason why, and in the end you'll be like, Oh, that was why. I did that or that's why this thing happened. Um, but I think sometimes we're just way too hard on ourselves uh, because we're perfectionists and we want to kind of do that. Um, yeah. And I just think that, you know, on, on, on the investment side and on anyone that has an interest to raising money or doing all that stuff, you know, I always say if I can do it, anyone can. And I think it's just the reality is, is I'm a, I'm a trained hairstylist and I have raised over three and a half million dollars. Um, Boom. And it's not like, like I'm very proud of my accomplishments and being able to do that. But I also echo to say that um, it is very possible um, that you yourself can be just like me (laughs) and be able to do that as well. Oh, I love that so much. And I feel like that is a beautiful way to wrap up this conversation. I am so grateful that you came on here and shared some insights with us today. Alicia, you're a gem and I I look up to you. I think you're a very inspirational woman. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me again. And um, I'm just always so honored that you, how you asked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see where this goes and what you're doing. And I hope that this conversation sparks some excitement in my listeners to kind of continue their journey and um, get some investment on their end. (laughs) Get that money. (laughs) Get that money. And we are going to stop right there. Get that money, babes. Okay. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch, Alicia. So there you have it, my friend. Alicia said it herself that she is just a trained hairstylist and she's been able to raise over three and a half million dollars for her business, Salon Scale, which was just an idea that came to her in the middle of Home Depot one day, I think is what it was. And she says if she can do it, anyone can do it. And that I think that is so 
true. You know, just like everything else in life, it's like you don't have to be the one to like invent everything. You just have to be able to grasp tools and ideas from other people and massage it into something that makes sense for you because you know whatever it is you're offering there is an audience for you you can apply that to your clients in your chair you know you hear of industry leaders talking about you know your ideal clients they're out there they sure are there's also ideal customers out there that want to buy your product like salon scales so i just i really love this fresh take on entrepreneurship and um you know from someone that speaks our language right like she knows what it's like just being a hairdresser and uh so anyway i really appreciate having alicia on here i feel like her and i are going to be buddies for a long time and isn't that such a fun thing to have come out of this podcast here so anyway um i hope you enjoyed that conversation i hope it sparks some creativity and some inspiration in your day and as i always like to say Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful hair day, my friend. And until next time, I'll see you then. Hey friend, Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? Because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free. You heard right. It's my gift to you, friend. So if you're ready to elevate your behind-the-chair game and attract the clientele you've always dreamed of, this boot camp is your first step. Spaces are limited, and trust me, friend, you don't want to miss out on this transformation. So head on over to www.yourhairmentor.com to secure your spot today. Let's make sure that your talent is undeniable and your chair the hottest ticket in town. Cheers to clients who pay and a career that slays. I cannot wait to see you at the Confident Conversations Bootcamp, my friend.